Hello, I'm Ricky. And I'm Joe, and this is the last episode, but it is season two, episode 21 of the Beer and Broadband podcast. And by last episode, I mean last episode of the season. Yeah. Not last episode, period. Because <laughs> we're still going to do this next spring, uh, and uh, we're going to get about 20 episodes in next year, too. Um so uh, if you've got any thoughts on this, you know, tweet us, let us know. If you got any ideas on how good or how good it didn't go, uh, that was proper, unproper English. So for, the, for this episode, we just finished bottling our last batch of cider. Um, and we, we have had a bad run this year of, of trying to, it's been to rough. age things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think it might be my house and my luck. Maybe I'm just doing something wrong. I'm not holding my nose right. Yeah. I don't well, know. I mean, the thing of when you do homebrew at home and you don't have a lot of equipment, you really are at the mercy to, you know, like, how warm is your house right now? You know, even if you've got AC, you know, what's the good place to put it? I did a, the first brewing I ever did was in like an old apartment, which I only did like one gallons, which aren't quite as sensitive. Yeah. So those always went fine. And we moved into our second apartment when we started this podcast. You know, we had those big pantries, or at least my place had the big pantry that was really successful. And I guess I took that for granted mm-hmm. how like perfectly controlled that temperature was right there between being like facing an outside window, but also still being near the kitchen, I guess. Right. So yeah, since we started brewing here, I think it's just it's been that challenge to keep things at the temperature you want it to be at. Yeah, either the the hall closet got too hot or the outside was too cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, we have a cider. We were shooting for what like seven percent alcohol, yeah, and then we're going to back sweeten it down to about six, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we got all the stuff ready and everything. And then today, when we came in and we sat down and we we looked at it and we pulled it out and everything. It was at five percent, roughly. Yeah. And we we back sweetened it a little bit because it we felt like it needed it, but it got it down to a little bit over four. Yeah. Which is much less, like two percent less than mm-hmm. what, what we wanted it to be, and not so. Uh, at a uh, th- this isn't because we want it to be overly alcoholic, but more because at the alcohol does add some flavor to the mm-hmm. to the cider, and we felt like. If, if it's at four or less, it adds too little flavor. It doesn't add enough of that. So anyways, um, we're about to drink that. And I think Ricky may have actually already yeah. taken a few sips. I haven't, but I will. Oh, okay, well. So, you know, that that's kind of the thing. I mean, we always try to make stuff with really good ingredients and, and things like that. And homebrewing it, you're not going to get the, you know... You're not going to press your own apples yet and things like that. Mm-hmm. You go and you buy stuff off the store shelf or you find something from somebody that, that you feel like they're going to be able to give you something that adds to this flavor combination. Um, but that said, you know, uh, you've taken a few sips. I see you pondering it over there. What, yeah, what do you think about it? I still like it? this. It is a little bit more... Gaming is not the right word because gaming is for like food. Right. But if anyone's ever done homebrewing and you have a fermentation stall for really any reason other than just like the sugar runs out, yep. there is a little bit of a taste of that. The the yeast, if it gets too hot or too cold or runs out of other nutrients, imparts a little bit of a flavor that's not necessarily bad. It's just not like you don't get the same crispiness you get if it kind of fell out normally. Right. It's more... Um... It's more of like an earthy kind of flavor. Yeah, but I think we hit a good balance. I mean, it's still sweet. It's a little bit sour, which I kind of like in a lot of ciders. Still got all that, uh, 
was it an apple? Folic acid? Whatever know. the acid is in apple that gives it that little bit of a bite. Yeah. Is it's still all there. And I kinda like it. It's very it's very drinkable. You know, for something that when it came out at five percent well, the last time we had a failed cider batch, we couldn't drink it at all. It really, yeah. There was just no saving it. But this one saved pretty well. And we probably could have even saved a little bit more if we had brought other stuff. Because we were planning for like seven and a half percent. We were going to get to six percent when it's like a five gallon thing, you want to put two gallons of another liquid in it. So I just brought like apple cider. If I brought apple concentrate, we could have probably even made it a little bit sweeter without right. really having to knock down the ABV a lot. Well, we are going to get, um, I'm, I'm going to talk with you after this podcast, mm-hmm. we're going to sit down and look before I buy it, but we are going to get a, um, a, a warming thing to do temperature control, so yeah. it'll stay at the perfect temperature, it'll stay at like 60 degrees, 60 to 65 degrees uh, for, for us to be able to ferment our next mm-hmm. batch, which we're going to do um, during the, the off season over Christmas. Yeah. And, and, and then in April, May, when we start back up, um, we'll do, we'll do a little bit more with the cider. And so that'll be, that'll be fairly interesting. Um, so yeah, uh, just the ups and downs of, of brewing. We, we're yeah. going to get on a more rigorous brewing schedule, I think. Uh, and you're talking about brewing something at home, like maybe not with my help. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll probably have you over when we like bottle it or do yeah. that, but yeah, I'm thinking about trying to make a pear cider. If I can find pear juice at a decent price, it's that time of year that you start being able to find a little bit more of that. So we'll see. Yeah, well, I, you know, I'll be interested to see what happens of it. Maybe we can uh, swap it out and taste it. But, mm-hmm. um, so, let's talk about the Boulevard Anniversary L Anniversary L Barrel Aged Blend. So this is um, it was a fairly expensive bottle of beer, mm-hmm. but I thought I thought it would be a fun one for us to yeah. talk about. So it's twelve point five percent ABV. It's um, 25 IBUs. It's the 30th anniversary, uh, so it's like their celebration blend yeah. for uh, Boulevard Brewing. Um, it's a. Uh, it says it stated innocently enough. It started innocently enough, as I can't read. Evidently, mm-hmm. I drank a little bit of cider, and now I can't read. A Parisian cafe, an amazing Belgian beer, a flash of inspiration, as the flutter of a butterfly's wings can. Entice a hur- inside a hurricane, entice a hurricane. Boulevard became at the moment inevitable. Inspired by John's desire to do something different, we created this complex, elegant blend to mark a milestone, raise a glass, join the celebration. Uh, that is all it says. So, like I said, it's 12.5% ABV and 25 IBU. So, not too bitter, uh, according to, to what they're saying there. So. Yeah, it's really not. Um, it's very smooth. Ooh, yeah. It's it just kind of feels like almost a little bit more refined of the other barrel aged boulevards we've had. It is. You know, there's it's just a little bit smoother, a little bit crisper. Similar flavor profiles, may maybe a little bit more pronounced. It's hard to say having come right off the cider. If it's if I had like the two side by side, would the flavors be as different, or if it's just the technique? So I I absolutely can tell you this is closer to the barrel constrictor than the Boulevard barrel age, like their okay. standard barrel age. Um, just because I've had them so much, you know, like this is my normal mm-hmm. thing to like kind of grab and drink if I want to, and this is this is has all those like kind of fruit, especially like those dark fruits, so like plums yeah. and things like that, kind of flavors dates you know whatever 
It's got that nice, uh, it's, it's got the little bit of bitterness that you expect from something like this sort of beer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, just bitter enough that it gives you the, the, the flavor that you expect to have. Yeah. Uh, but but it's it's nice. It's very very nice. I like it. Yeah, it's. I gotta say, it's it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is. It's 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 hard to explain because we've talked about the Boulevard beers beers mm-hmm. before. It tastes just like a Boulevard beer. It's got that flavor profile. Yeah. Um, it's kind of um, sweet and nutty and all those other things. It's got a little bit of sourness, but it's pretty great stuff. So, um. As I had said, this is our last episode of the season. So we're going to talk about a couple of things that are, you know, happening currently out there. And then we're going to talk about maybe some of our plans um, and listen to the dog bark in the background because he likes to do that occasionally. Um, So for the first thing that we're going to talk about, the UK Labor Party which is, you know, you know the, we have Democrats and Republicans in the U.S., and the U.K. has, like, the Labor Party. And, you know, I'm not even going to pretend like I understand. I don't want to presume that even though I understand some of it, I don't understand enough about another country's political system to, like, really yeah. talk about it, other than to say this is just one of their political parties. Mm-hmm. Um, not Whether or not I, I agree with them, you know, on what they do or what they don't do. I, I, I don't want to make any stance there. But I found this interesting, and I've, I've seen it a couple places. They're talking about if they, whatever they, they do in this next election where they get into power mm-hmm. in some way, they are going to put full fiber connections to uh, people's homes in the U.K. Mm-hmm. So it means every home, will get, or at least that's my understanding, every home will get an end-to-end from the ISP mm-hmm. to the residence fiber connection. Mm. What do you think about that? I think that will be difficult. I support it. I mean, it would certainly be great, you know, because that's really, that technology's not going away for a while. But, you know, not all of England is the UK. They're still quite apart, you know, I mean, not all of England is London. There's still quite a few parts that are a bit more rural. So yeah. that'll be interesting. I wonder how, again, I guess I don't know enough about the country to say if that's unfeasible. Well, that, we're, we're not, we're talking about like Scotland, Wales. From what I understand, this would be the whole country. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, the whole United whole Kingdom. Kingdom. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, that, that gets a little bit harder. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so, but here's the thing. It would take them like 10, 15 years yeah, to do yeah, it. Yeah. So it, w- it wouldn't be something that just happens yeah. immediately. There is a group of people that say that fiber is going to be obsolete. By the time they're through by the By the time that that, that happens. Um, and and the, the, of course, they're saying like with technologies like 5 gig and mm-hmm. things like that, with 5G, not 5 gig, with 5G, uh, and other wireless technologies like Wi-Fi 6, yeah, there's no, no need to have fiber. Yeah, um, I don't buy that one. I don't think we're ever going to get to a point that wireless availability is going to be so great that there's not a reason for hardline connections. I mean, really, the the only way I think you're right, I don't care about the 5G stuff. That's never going to get strong enough unless you're just going to put a tower in every city. 
you know, or these relays on every building. That you have to put do. you have to put relays every so many feet in order to be able to have yeah. it work. Yeah, it's like my I live in Cary, which is a pretty tech savvy part of North Carolina, and like my house is LTE. Yeah, you know, like I don't have that that kind of connection even in a place that's already got a lot of this technology. So, you know, I don't, I don't know if I buy that. I can understand them saying, hey, well, in 15 years, fiber might not be the new hotness anymore. There might be some other technology, which, okay, yeah, maybe there will be, but... So, fiber it, has been the new hotness since the, like, late 80s. You know, fiber optic cabling mm-hmm. being put down. And, I mean, really, in the 90s, it was, like, a big thing to, to like, you know, start putting down fiber. But that's, mm-hmm. like, the burgeoning point of the Internet. Fiber, so, you know, when you have, like, fiber and copper, copper was cheaper, fiber was more expensive. Fiber doesn't doesn't suffer from uh, interference and things like that because it's light waves mm-hmm. versus electrical impulses. So, just, you know, most of the people that listen to this probably know these things. They're, they're not um, people that don't. And, and I'm not really educating you on that particular point, but I'm just saying you're talking about taking something that is inherently going to have exactly. yeah, that, that's what interference going to something that aside from getting like some dust on one end and it's easy to clean that you don't have interference at all yeah, period well, that's where i was going with it you know it doesn't matter if in 15 years is fiber going to be the newest coolest thing it matters is fiber is always going to be the improvement to what you have right now yeah you know it's not it's never going to hurt somebody to lay fiber down it's kind of like saying it's like oh well you know why save up for a new car? <laughs> the, <laughs> the beer uh, must be drank. The beer, the beer shot the uh, the preserver that I was putting on top mm. of it to, across the room. Would you mind handing that to me? Yeah, if I can get to it here. No. <laughs> Sorry about that, folks. No, no, it's okay. Um, the, here, hearing, hearing the silliness that happens on the podcast, yeah. I'm going to leave this in for sure. Yeah. Uh, just for the fun of it. But go, go ahead and say what yeah, you're yeah. going to say about the fire. So, thing. it doesn't really matter if... Um, it's going to be the cool newest thing. It's going to be an improvement. Yeah. Like, it's going to help people's lives. It's going to always be able to have a very respectable speed. I don't care how fast internet speeds become. I don't believe the uh, like the people in your in a house are going to need more than a gig anytime soon. You know, I can see businesses. I can see th- some things like that. But I don't know. Maybe well, don't... Let, let's suppose that we even start allowing for like 10 gig connections or two gig connections or something like that over fiber connections. Which that, 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 I mean, you can do 10 gig on copper, but it's, it's really difficult. But let, let, if that happens, it's, a, it's not, you don't change the infrastructure like you do with copper. You don't have to lay new lines. Yeah. With fiber, you change the modulators on each end and maybe the modulators at the repeater sections. And that's it. I mean, if you're like the, the, well, they're, they're okay. So you, you may have to change some cables at some point, sometimes, but that happens less often with fiber. Yeah, it does. And you don't know, you know, who knows where it'll be in 15 years. Maybe the one of the ways they speed up a lot of things now is bundling more fiber together. So maybe the standard becomes more couplings or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's still an improvement over copper. And I mean, I don't know the UK, but I'd be surprised to find out everyone in the UK even had copper. Uh, there's plenty of like rural farmlands in the UK that, for all we know, you know, they're dealing with crappy wireless like our our buddy Thomas is. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it'd be huge for them to be able to have 
copper directly to their. I mean, fiber. I I, I totally agree. Totally agree. I, I, but well, but I, I think I think having regardless of whether we're talking about you know just a a wired based infrastructure is always going to be more reliable and less susceptible to just general junk. The the thing about wireless is it's more convenient. Yeah. And so, and it's also much more profitable for the companies that push it. So the, a lot of the, the motivation, you know, you always have to look at the motivation behind why someone says something. A lot of the motivation behind this seems to be about profit. If we can, if, if we can convince people that wireless is better and mm-hmm. dependable and all this other stuff, then we're going to be able to put these things out and we get the profit for it, which there is a time and a, I mean, I, I have a w- great wireless network in my house. Mm-hmm. There is a time and a place for wireless. So I'm not saying that you you should always have a wired connection, but when you're talking about being able to deliver with some sort of dependability to mm-hmm. somebody, a, 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 a network connection, you, need, you can't go wireless completely and it be yeah. always dependable. So, I mean, there now... I, know, I hear some people out there, I already hear certain employees that I know and things like that, they're already going to say, well, you know, if you do it right, and I'm like, okay, I mean, that's great, but it's really hard to do it right. It's much easier to do with a wired connection. Yeah. It's just the resources, and sometimes well, you have I to, think, like, kind of do both. Yeah, yeah, I think at a large level, it's impossible to do right. Like, you can always do okay. You know, when we're saying, Joe, set up a wireless network in your house, yeah, you can do that right. Yeah. When you're saying, oh, well, what we're going to do is we're going to promise a universal wireless to our country. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you start running into, oh, well, you know, the houses here are actually fairly old and still have lead paint. Okay. That wireless is going to do great. Yep. Going through that. Or there'll be places that still have, like, solid brick walls. And or, it's like, or, or somebody put brass gilding in this particular location, and it's just basically yeah. effectively created a Faraday cage. Yeah, I mean, imagine how difficult it would be to do when we start looking at, like, turn-of-the-century homes in certain places like Europe, like, after the war, that it's it's all, like, steel and brick. Yeah. And it's not, like, wooden drywall like the, the, no. the houses here in the U.S. are for the most part. Like, yeah, good, good luck with that. I mean, like, maybe where the windows are, you get some okay signal. Well, and you then know? you have, like, castles and, and other, like, there's just, there's no way that you yeah, can get a guaranteed connection that with wireless where you would have with, where, where you can get a guaranteed signal with wired. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it, there's just no way to do it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think we agree on that. And I think, I, I've, I, I am kind of jealous that they get full fiber to the house even though i have a fiber connection to my house yeah. so like I, I mean i get a gig fiber connection to my home because i use google fiber mm-hmm. just putting that out there but man uh, would it be great to like go to everybody's house that i know and they all get that one gig connection yeah you know are, are we going to talk about stadia you brought i, I wasn't going to okay we don't have just to. Be, well no i th- i think we i think we could we can talk about that for a moment next yeah well it uh, just brought me up because you, you brought up google and you got the google fiber and you know people have been getting their review copies of their stadias and playing their stadias and thomas if you're listening i told you so <laughs> this is not a problem with like the, the rental scheme or like i'm buying it but i'm streaming it I talked to several people about the Stadia, and they were like, "Well, I'm sure they're like their backend servers are great, and I'm sure they are. Google yeah. knows how to make a data center. I've got no qualms that their you know backend system can render Call of Duty to a million people. 
but still got to go over the public internet. Yep. And that's what's killing people. We're taking the worst part of multiplayer games, the lag, yep. and we're putting it in your single player experience. Yep. It's uh, there's been a lot of people complaining about that, and one person uh, I was listening to, but they have negative point. latency. Are you saying there's such a thing as positive latency? It's predictive. Well, we know the latency's <laughs> coming, so we, we, we say it against it. But like Google had come out and like they talked about like, well, we don't. ISPs are smart, you know. ISPs wouldn't give you bad service, and it's like, well, where do you live? <laughs> that, like in California. Well, that that's one of the things that bothers me. I'm sure a lot of testing happened in their area which you know silicon valley has some of the best network infrastructure in the country yep. so you know it makes it i mean if not the world it makes sense but you know that got hit and then one person was going through it's like yep i've already hit my data cap this month i was like oh yeah you data cap people yep what are you gonna do <laughs> you know so that's just my little smugness yeah the, the, that's a ridiculous idea stadia uh, I, I wasn't even going to talk about it mm-hmm. because, I mean, number one, it hasn't been out long enough. But, you know, we, we talked about the whole negative latency thing before. Yeah. The, the, that is against the laws of physics. That's marketing bullshit. Yeah. You know, <laughs> basically. It's we're predicting it'll happen, so we'll try and correct for you. You know, that's like saying, you know, it, it's like the, uh, it was like kid shows when I was growing up. It's like the kids have, Destroyed the living room. So instead of fitting the living room, they put like a picture in the doorway of a clean living room. Hoping yeah. they'll trick their parents. Exactly. It's you know? a, it's just, it's dumb. It's Negative a, cleaning. That, well, it's a, it, 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 any game streaming service, it's, it, 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 or any sort of app streaming or app rental or anything mm-hmm. like that service, especially one that's as expensive as Stadia, where you have yeah. to buy equipment and you have to get all this other stuff. You don't own that stuff. Yeah. Like you don't like, and not, not in any way, shape, form or fashion. Do you own that stuff? Uh, so like you don't have a physical disc, you know, nothing like that. You don't have, it's, it's not DRM, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like you can download it to your computer and it's, it's, it's allowed for you to keep it. You don't have like, you, 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 you absolutely have no hold on that content yeah. at all, period. 100%. So unless it's like, $2 a month or $3 a month, like super cheap. And it's just a convenience thing where you can use it on like your phone and everything yeah. like that. I mean, that's awesome. I totally do that. Hey, I can play. I, I don't care if the experience is kind of crappy. Yeah. I can play a single player game on my phone over anywhere I go in the world and like save my progress and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Or those people that like can't afford a gaming PC. Hey, you've got your like Lenovo laptop or whatever. Yeah. You can play video games. It won't be as good. You know, there'll be latency and stuff like right. that, but you can play it because all you're but, seeing is the screen. But it's five dollars a month. Yeah, you know, I mean that that's that's it, uh, you have to buy the freaking game. Exactly, you're buy, you're doing everything you'd have to do if you had a gaming PC, and a lot of people that are playing it have the gaming PC. Yeah, exactly. You're just like, oh, but you know, wouldn't this be so cool? I can stream it from any device. It's like, yeah, but now it'll just play bad on all your devices. Exactly. Like you can already do something like that that gives you great stuff great like connectivity mm-hmm. with uh it, with you know steam's yeah. streaming technology and and moonlight and some of the other things that are out there that let you do those sort of things and those things are a hundred times more reliable even over the public internet mm-hmm. um than stadia will ever be so whatever um i i, they, I mean the but I, i'm also i remember the the beginning of video streaming mm-hmm 
video streaming, you know, and, and it's becoming more, less affordable now. Mm-hmm. But originally, you know, it was like 10 bucks a month. You pay, or, or five bucks a month or, or whatever. You paid to get your streaming service and you didn't always have the best, you know, quality, but yeah. it was very convenient and it was worth it. And you bought, you bought your own DVDs or you rented them. You got your streaming service mm-hmm. and you did the thing. Um, but, but then if you're talking about something like, you know, some of the things that we have now, like Disney plus and all sorts of other mm-hmm. things, I don't know. It just, it, it, it seems like we're going to a world where you don't own any content anymore. It's all, it's all given to you. Yeah. And, uh, it just, it, it's, it's convenient, but it's not, it's not very useful. Like, you know, um, and they have to find ways for you to do the things that you could already do if you just own the content. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the, that's a, that's a surprise topic right there for all those people. So on, on a, um, another note, you know, the AMD, you know, you know what's been going on with AMD lately with processors and everything. Have you heard about this? Heard a little bit about it. But I'm super uh, informed. All right. So AMD third gen, hmm. their new Ryzen and, you know, all their other third gen, you know, processors have come out. So, you know, they, they've gotten some, some great mm-hmm. stuff. So, you know, we're talking about the 30 whatever X or the yeah. 30 whatever S or the 30 whatever. So, you know, like they have the 3500, the 3300, the 3000, you know, all that stuff, mm-hmm. like 3240. And then they have like, you know, increments within it. So you're, you're talking about something that uses fewer uh or has more core count generally within two you know 0.2 to 0.3 gigahertz of single threaded performance with Mm -hmm. intel maybe a hundred to two hundred dollars less per processor and the the performance on multi-threading just blows Intel stuff out of the yeah. water. So now I'm, I'm neither a fanboy of Intel nor AMD and, and I, I have Intel processors in my yeah. computers right now. I'm just saying that to, to begin with, but to educate you on this, they released something called the 3950X, which is their mm-hmm. flagship processor. So it boosts up to about five gigahertz with, well, on, on the on single core, it's like four point seven gigahertz. So, in, so Intel, you know their their processors are somewhere around four to four and a half gigahertz mm-hmm. right now, uh, with with their single core boost. Sometimes they'll boost up to five gigahertz. Their 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 big big daddy processor mm-hmm. that this would be compared to boosts up to five gigahertz. Um, they their multi-threaded so they have uh, 16 cores 32 Mm -hmm. threads intel 16 core 32 threads you know so that so those exist in a lot of uh, you know optimization where where things are properly optimized benchmarks Mm -hmm. this processor is beating the similarly spec intel processor Mm -hmm. Um, and Here's the kicker. How much do you think that this thing would cost? Probably a good two, three hundred less than the Intel one. 
it, it, it's OCD. like half the price. Really? Yeah. So like seven hundred dollars versus you know fifteen twelve hundred something yeah. like that. So like I mean the, like just putting that out there. Yeah. This yeah. is these this is the way it is. I, I'm not I, I don't have like a list here. I've never been paid by AMD mm. to give out any information, so I don't have all the facts about everything. Yeah. But at some point last year, when we were talking about Ryzen. And like their second gen Ryzen, and I said, you know, I've been thinking about if I, my next computer might be a Ryzen mm-hmm. computer. And you said you wouldn't build one. You just you wouldn't build an AMD processor with like you know an an NVIDIA. Yeah, you know. I'm always worried about driver support because I specifically if I need something powerful, it's for video games. And AMD has not had the best drivers for it. Well, we're not talking about for the graphics card. We're talking about for the Processor. It doesn't matter. CPU has the same thing. I mean, not to the same extent that a, a graphics card does. But so I I think that AMD is a, AMD first was the first to to sixty four gigs, and it used to be the other way around. AMD yeah. always had the best support for their drivers and their Windows compatibility and game compatibility mm-hmm. because they were the first to the line, and Intel didn't make it when it came to sixty four bit processors. Now it seems like AMD is hitting that stride again. Yeah, if they're in that area, then I, I might strongly consider it. Yeah. You know, the thing that's gotten me with AMD for the last couple generations has just been that, you know, there it's not quite as powerful, but it's cheaper, which I'm fine with that trade off. It's the you know I can I can do a lot of things to to like make an experience better if something is slightly underpowered. There's not much I can do for like a bad driver of apart just roll back to other drivers. So they put the same kind of love into the, the software for this generation they put into the hardware. I could definitely get on board with that. So the so really their firmwares are you know, it's mostly about optimization. Mm. Like it and it seems like developers and everybody are hopping on this. But if you do anything other than video games with your computer, mm-hmm. this is like so like yeah you know, yeah you do any Your development or anything like that not probably much more point to do anything yeah else. it's it is it is crushing it right now and I'm I think I'm considering building uh, a computer in the next couple of years and it's pro- unless something like really like nosedives mm-hmm. it's gonna take Intel probably like three four years to catch up yeah it's gonna take them AMD. another generation you know if you if you lose the matchup you lose the matchup until the yeah. new the new stuff comes out. Well, they do have their tenth, their tenth generation coming out. You know, they hit the the ninth generation just yeah. recently. They're supposed to have their tenth generation coming out, but um, it's debatable as to whether or not that's actually going to be competitive with what AMD is yeah. doing. And AMD seems like it can just release on this architecture because the way that the architectures are built, the AMD can just continue to add like another node yeah. to their to their chipset to be able to to kind of grow and expand and make these things mm-hmm. faster uh, where Intel is stuck with their older micro architecture that, yeah. that has um, less ability to develop in that, in that range. I'm not, uh, I'm not going to pretend like I'm the number one expert on that, mm-hmm. but I kind of like to keep up with it just for fun. So I think you will change your mind Um if if I built one and I showed it to you and you'd be like, oh, this is really cool, and then you'll be like, yeah. I think I'm gonna build an AMD processor based. As long computer. as the, as long as the gaming industry gets on board with it, because really I gotta admit, even a lot of the driver stuff is not on AMD as much as it is are people building their software with AMD in mind. 
you know, a while back, Intel kind of took control and then really just had a stranglehold on it. Because um, a lot of the pre-built gaming machines were Intel, because Intel was giving, like, subsidies and stuff to, like, those places. Yeah. Right, I don't know, is, is subsidy the right word for that? Whatever, they were selling their hardware cheaper to them to yeah. be in the pre-built systems. So they kind of they kind of took over. But if that changes, then I could definitely see myself building one. Well, uh, then maybe I'll build one first, and we'll just see what you do about it. Yeah. So let's, um, let, you know, we talked about Google as like a surprise topic mm-hmm. before. Let's talk about how Google killed, um, so it had this AI showcase thing that it was going to do where it took 100,000 chest x-rays of people, and it was going to put it into this this thing that was available for people to use for mm-hmm. artificial intelligence, and it was going to show how, you know, people were getting diagnoses off of this mm-hmm. and like all this other stuff um why why do you think so let, let me ask you a question do you think this is a good idea no why do you think it's a bad idea correlation is not causation i mean you're taking a, a scan and i get like machine learning and stuff like that you're finding the most commonalities but i don't trust that they've had enough medical professionals helping fine tune it. That it well, that, I mean that, that this wasn't something where you were going to get diagnosed and then it was just going to be like on there. It's a, that, that's not really the necessary thing. What, what I would say, the first thing I thought of is you can, um, you can take an x-ray and immediately learn who that person is. Like you, you don't need much else information. If you have two sets of x-rays from a person, they're going to match. Like that, it's personally identifiable information. I mean, yeah, but that also that that does for the bird that you have to have an already existing X-ray of that person. Well, but that I mean, you go to a hospital, and if you're able to hack that hospital, which has happened recently, and get those files from that hospital, and then you put this out there, you can. It's it, no matter how much you anonymize yeah. this, this information is not anonymizable that much. And that is exactly why they pulled it because mm-hmm. it, it was it had it had all the personally identified. I mean, there's like numbers. Even though even if you blur that stuff out and everything, there's numbers on the X-rays. There's okay, like yeah, you're you're, yeah. you're only gonna have like like you you're you have a broken rib in one particular place. Your unique broken rib and the way that your ribs look are going to be different than my unique broken rib and the way my ribs look. Mm -hmm. My rib cage is going to be bigger. Yours is going to be smaller. Like, who thought that was a freaking good idea? (laughs) That's just crazy. And, you know, like, this is one of those things where I kind of like Google and Mm -hmm. there's some things that I'm like, okay, well, I give them a little bit more of the shadow of the doubt than other than other things because they tend to be more responsible for stuff. Thank yeah. thank goodness that they pulled this because this would have been some sort of horrible, horrible yeah breach massive of HIPAA privacy. violations. I mean, there's ways around that. Like when you get X-rays or you go to the hospital, all the time they'll ask you things like, "Hey, is it okay if we like you know strip the number off of this and then you know we can use this for textbooks or in studies and stuff like that." Have a bajillion of those because those people are like signing up that that's okay to use this in other, yeah, exactly. other instances. Well, I, I think that was the idea that they they pulled a bunch of those. Okay. So, but there but there was somehow they they pulled in information for people that didn't agree to that. Okay. So there was a then, lot yeah, of yeah. Well, that's what that's what I assume because if it, if that's the deal, that means that these people didn't sign up for it. Yeah. Like you know, I've got X-rays of my hip that are publicly available because Parsi's and a child as old as I was when I got diagnosed right. wasn't super common. 
So, like, you know, it, those sort of things make sense. But if we're saying these are people that didn't sign up for it, then, yeah, I mean, that's just privacy violation. Yeah. yeah Google. Well, so Google also had this thing with uh, with people's... They have this thing called Project Nightingale where they want to be able to consume people's medical mm-hmm. records and be able to use those for whatever. Yeah. Like to, to ease, more easily allow you know one doctor's office to be able to give another doctor's mm-hmm. office medical information and everything. And I understand the good ideas behind that. But as soon as insurance companies and employers get hooked into that database in mm-hmm. any way, shape, form, or fashion – or some nation states hacks into it or something yeah. like that, it's just going to go all south real quick. Yeah, there's just so many. I mean, there's a reason HIPAA is so extreme about data security. Like, it is a pain. It's a pain that, like, you know, your doctor's office forgets to call this other doctor's office. There's just no way that your new doctor's office is getting your medical records until they get passed over. Right. You know, there's no central databases here. You know, the, the luckiest you get is these, like, I don't even know. No, not like med- medical, but like a lot of hospitals are like linked into the same system. You know, it's like the hospital where I grew up and one of the UNC hospitals here are like sister hospitals. So they can get to each other's records because it's the same organization. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the idea that that just becomes queryable information from anyone that has been deemed appropriate to have access is just begging for someone to get access that shouldn't and then they have all of it. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, this is, it's just crazy stupid, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and, and I, I'm not, I'm not okay with Project Nightingale. And so the, this is one of those things where, you know, like I, I say, Google's not the good guy. Yeah. Google thinking of doing these things, unless, so unless they have some sort of separate network that's got completely air gapped everything and they're going to mm-hmm. do this nationally or internationally, um, and I don't see how that'll work just because there's no way on yeah. the on the endpoint to be able to guarantee that uh, the doctors and stuff like that. Yeah, endpoint security is a whole separate issue. Yeah. Is the person accessing it actually the person they're supposed to be? Exactly. So so I just I I look at this sort of thing and I'm like there there has to be a solution to this. I mean th- this seems like something that's solvable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm if there has to be somebody that's going to solve it, it, it would be Google. But it makes me very uncomfortable. I I don't know. I don't agree that, that should be Google. I think that a lot of the HIPAA stuff is federally regulated. If there needs to be a new sharing system, that should be getting handled on the same level as the people that make the current system. I mean, I, I can see where... Uh... <laughs> Look, I'm just saying, here, here's the thing. Google does something bad, and things don't work out well. They're a private company who, at worst, gets to say... Okay, oops, sorry, bankrupt that department, my bad, and walks away. Well, what, but the, what, that's not what I mean. What I mean mm-hmm. is that if, if Google was to do something, uh, anything, and they came up with a technology or a network, networking technology that was secure that allowed you to do this and gave it to the federal government mm-hmm. and said, hey, you can use this as part of your standard and we'll continue to support the inter- the updating and you know things like that uh, up to the standard that you want it to be mm-hmm. google would be a company that i could see that has the power yeah, to be yeah. able to do that uh and could do it well you know i there, there are smaller companies that i think could come up with ideas mm-hmm. but they wouldn't have the clout or the you know overall ability yeah. to be able to they push wouldn't have the manpower things. to do the so that I, I'm, I'm not saying google should I'm saying if there was a company out there, it would be a type of company like yeah, a Google yeah. or an Apple or something like that. Yeah. 
So, and it should it shouldn't be. They, I agree with you one hundred percent. Yeah, they shouldn't be the. But at the same time, the government is not competent when it comes. To, they're they're so far behind in technology. They're not competent when it comes to to being able to create new things. They don't. They don't. They they're good at creating new policies, but when it comes to implementing how to do that in a yeah. technological way, that's not that's not so much them. They have to rely on other companies like. The government didn't create aircraft that we use for fighter jets now. They they had to go to a company like Boeing or yeah. you know something like that to be able to do that. So, um, I mean, unless you got something else you want to say about that, I think we killed that subject. Yeah, yeah, I think we killed it. <laughs> um, so we we kind of talked about our apple cider base. Um, this didn't turn out as well as I was hoping that it would. I, I like it. I, I'm, I'm going to yeah. drink the ones that I have. I, I'll probably kill them in like a couple of weeks. But Yeah, um, it, it could have been better. If it had gone to the percentage we wanted, I think it would have been a lot better. Because I think we've talked about it in way earlier episodes. We discussed like the process of brewing. All of the flavor of fruit is in their sugars. You know, if you take like blueberry juice and you take apple juice and you ferment it dry, they have almost an identical flavor. Um, we ate up a lot of apple sugars and then didn't get to put as much back in as we wanted. So like, right. I brought two gallons of cider, we only used one. And you were there to taste it. We went the first half gallon, a little bit, but you could barely taste the apple. An extra half gallon on that, and there's a noticeable apple flavor. If we had gotten to add a bit more in, it would have been still a little bit sour, but sweeter. I brought ones over that had been spiced, so there would have been more spice into it. It's it's certainly of anything that we've made that didn't turn out right. I think it's the most drinkable of all the things that didn't turn out right. Right, but it's definitely not what we were aiming for. Right, and I I I, I mean like the mead last time, it just it 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 just didn't turn out right. It didn't taste the way we wanted it to. Yeah. I'm not as not as excited about this, but I'm thinking that if we keep down this this path we'll be able to get something like what we were producing last year which was really good stuff um so i'm i'm looking forward to that and you know we're going to try again i think probably like in two in a week or two weeks i don't know yeah yeah, do something like that so um yeah we'll we'll let you know in a uh, well i guess i guess we'll have gone through two iterations of this so we should have some good reports by the next time we come back around we should have more than two iterations, shouldn't we? Because our next episode is going to be around springtime. So, yeah. So Probably. if we if it's a month and a half each time, and we have three month uh, three months before we, um, that's true. In my head, it wasn't taking that long, but I guess by the time we drink it all, yeah. But I, I think we're probably going to hit if the next batch turns out okay. We're probably going to start hitting a, a stride where when we bottle one, we start on the next one. I, yeah, I think I think we might have three, yeah. three, three possible like batches that we've started, but I don't think we'll know anything about the third batch when we start recording. Could be yeah, for like the first episode, maybe not. Yeah, yeah so. Um, so this, you know, like we, we talked about, this is our last episode for this season, which mm-hmm. is great. Because uh, we're gonna have like some time off for the holidays. Uh, Thanksgiving's yeah. coming up pretty soon. Uh, we we were doing like traditionally like Christmas episodes and stuff, but I think we're gonna skip that this year. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll probably only be available. I'll actually be in Tennessee this year. Yeah, so we okay. Be able to do it like we did last year. Yeah, that 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 might be possible. So, yeah, we're uh, we're gonna you know do uh, do this going forward, and I think uh, I think this has been a pretty successful year for us. So, I'm looking forward to to. Um, 
like what the next year brings. Yeah. Uh, is there anything that you kind of remember from this season or this year that kind of stuck out to you that you were like, man, this was this was great. Um, this was awesome. I had a lot more fun. And it's not like I didn't like enjoy doing it before, but breaking it up, it really led the first couple episodes. I mean, even these, these are very, much more casual. I think when we were trying to record like every single weekend, like it didn't become a job, but there was a lot of pressure. Like, okay, we got to get in here. We got to yeah. record for two hours. Then we can go do whatever. There was a lot more interesting. After have a break, come back to it. And we had like, I think more fun conversation. We got to talk about more things than we normally do. I agree. We let, let some stuff kind of pile up and mm-hmm. we got to have some. And I, I think, you know, one of the things I think I'm going to do next year less is um, I, I think, you know, we might pick one technology topic and we mm-hmm. talk about it and we talk more about brewing next year. Okay. Um, just because. We'll certainly be doing more of it. Yeah. Yeah, well, but but also, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are talking about both topics, and so mm-hmm. not as many people talk about both of them together. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I think it would be a good thing if we if we go forward, focusing more on brewing, um, and and the things that we love about that, and just some of the geeky things that we like, mm-hmm. you know, aside from that, you know, whether it's the Avengers movies or whatever else is yeah, coming yeah. out you know it, making my office better you know we, we have an interest in working from home and mm-hmm. being able to do neat things like that and i think being able to blend those things together is what's fun about our podcast yeah. um but at the same time you know we we've we focused on just kind of talking about the news and things that have come up in the news yeah. and i think that maybe going forward like maybe talking about Maybe some more like technology reviews, or like maybe I'll build a computer next year. I'm mm-hmm. just something that I'm kind of thinking about. So we'll see. Um, that said, uh, if if anybody out there really wants to to talk about anything or kind of tell us what they thought was their most fun uh, thing of the of this season, it'd be great. I my favorite episode so far has been the uh, one where we talked about the beers from Alski Brewing mm-hmm. um, because I felt like that that was a lot of fun and it was like a nice little like hop in that's why we have 21 episodes instead yeah, of 20 yeah. this this season and so on and so forth so that was kind of fun um, well otherwise guys uh, thank you so much for listening thank you so much for attending our season two of beer mm-hmm. and broadband uh, we'd love to hear more from you and hopefully in the future, uh, you'll continue to listen to us. So we'll see you around uh, spring, probably around May. Uh, so be watching out for and, and make sure to have your subscriptions updated so that you get the first episode when it comes out. Otherwise, thanks for listening and we'll catch you in spring.